back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. And I'm so excited to tell you about our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. Have you always wished you knew how to in-depth study the Bible for yourself, but you just don't have time to go to Bible college? Well, join us this year as we adventure through 12 different courses designed to give you the background and the tools to study the Bible for yourselves. You can find out more information about the academy on our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about how to engage Scripture to hear God's voice even in unpredictable times. You know, sometimes we have areas in our lives where we just know something isn't working right. Maybe it's something in a relationship, or at work, or with the kids, or even with our own character. Life has a way of shifting, but thankfully, we can stay standing when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and build our lives on the firm foundation of His Word. Our guest today, Allie Patterson, author of the recently released book, How to Stay Standing, Three Essential Practices for Building a Faith That Lasts, is here to share with us how a parable in the Bible can help us get honest about the foundation we are building, how to keep Jesus at the center of it all, and how taking risks can lead to safety and security. Allie Patterson is passionate about helping others build a life on the firm foundation of Jesus's truth and grace. She holds a master's degree in biblical studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and is a teaching pastor at Crossroads Church. She lives with her husband, Bill, their four children, and one very bratty cat. (laughs) (laughs) Allie is a fan of Mexican food, Ohio State football, geeky Bible maps and timelines, pedicures, long runs, and good books. Please welcome Allie. Hey, how are you? It's so good to be here. Yes, I always laugh at the bratty cat who is actually sitting right beside me as we speak. So. Oh, gotta love that. I know, I know. <laughs> well, Allie, it's just such a joy to finally get to be able to meet you. And, you know, when I first became familiar with your story in the book, I was just struck by your authenticity. And I really feel like because of just your rawness and how you have allowed God to work through your own situation, I I know you're going to help so many others with your book. So why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about the book and the title and just why you felt you needed to write this book. Sure. Absolutely. I would love to, like you um, referenced a moment ago, there is a parable that is the heart of the book. Cause I'm almost always, I just feel like almost always I'm going to be pushing back to what does God's word say? And how can I bless other people with 
you know, with pushing them in there because um, at the end of the day, I'd rather you want him than want more of me. And so there is a parable at the heart of the book, but the reason I was drawn to that parable and the reason I wrote the book is because I lived the truth of what I later found in the word of God. And what I mean by that is I lived a story where I built my life the way the world said to build it. And I built it, I thought, well, like I really thought I was on a firm foundation. I thought I was set up well for, for a life, a strong life, a life that worked, a life that was happy and successful. I mean, you know, that's what we are all kind of after. Um, and yet I had a really hard early crash in my life. And it was absolutely a result of things I did not see in my own character, things I didn't see about how I was building my life. And I was in um, a really successful corporate career really early in my life. And through that workplace, I met someone that I ended up in an affair with. And that really exposed everything that I had been either unable or unwilling to see about who I was, about how I had put my life together, about what I was trying to do with my life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And none of it, although at the time I would definitely have said, I believe in God. I, I actually had very genuinely received Christ. I had never actually understood what it meant to follow him, to actually build my life on him. And so that came, and now I look back and, you know, we could talk for a year about all the things that God began to show me and teach me during that period of time, but it all boils down to the heart of the parable in the book, which is Jesus um, teaches this story, this parable about two different builders, one who built on a foundation of rock and one who did not. And the unfortunate truth of that parable is what I lived, which is if you're the one that's building what you're building and it's not on him, life's going to come for you. I'm sorry to say it. It's going to come and expose the weakness of what you are building. And so that's what happened to me very, very early in my adult life. And now I look back and think I'm so grateful to God that he um, dismantled a lot of what I was building pretty early because I think many people, which again is my heart and motivation for putting what I learned into that book. I think many people lose decades of their life truly and earnestly believing in God and not understanding how to follow Jesus into a life that actually works. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Would you say that's kind of the main reason why you felt that the book was needed so much right now in our world? Oh, absolutely. Because I I know even when you come into a group of believers, you could be in a church, you could be in a community of lots of people who genuinely would say, I believe in God and I want to know God. And yet we don't actually practice his word. And so we don't understand we're building a life that is eventually going to struggle. And, um, you know, I think right now more than ever, if our faith is not lived and experienced in a very real way, it won't be there for long because everything about our world 
is working against us. Mm -hmm. And so we're either building a faith that's real, that like works in a real, honest to goodness, messy, everyday life. You're either encountering Jesus or you're not. And if you're not, your faith isn't going to last very long. It's just not because I know that you and your listeners are exactly like me. I don't have time to play around. Either God is real and my faith is helpful and actually tangible and real in my life, or it's not. And, um, you know, I think too many of us like want to quote, be a good person and we never actually encounter a living Christ. And that's, what's going to hold us. That's, what's going to hold us together in the end is him. And so, um, that's totally my heart behind the book is just in my own, as honest as I could be kind of way going, this is what I've lived and And this is how I know Jesus wasn't playing around when he taught that parable. He meant what he said. And I, I lived it. And honestly, I found a living God in the middle of a big old mess and he was better and and so much goodness came out of so much darkness and so yes indeed i think a lot of us live with a lot of pain um, because of the way that we build our lives learn what theology is and how to study god within the bible in course number 7 of our in-depth bible study academy In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about why you you chose the title of your book. Yeah. Um, the title, um, I was a little nervous about trying to name a book cause it's very important, you know, what you call it. And, um, yeah. I love, I actually love the title because, um, I considered stay standing or something like that, but the how to is very intentional because really I don't, um, talk through the book in lofty terms about faith, what I really wanted to try to be helpful and communicate is a how to, if you really want to connect with Jesus, how would you actually go about doing that? So the how to is very strategic. It's supposed to be communicating that there actually are some really practical things, um, you know, that I talk through in the book and some scriptural practices and some prayer and some ways I approach time with the Lord and things like that. So very much a how-to. And then of course the stay standing is about um, the parable itself, which Jesus says, Hey, you're either going to build a life that can stand up to the trouble that's going to come or you will fall. And, you know, I have fallen. I'm sure most of your listeners could name an area of their life that 
has kind of crashed down a little bit. And the good news of the book, and because it's the good news of Christ, is that even if that's the case, um, he can build or rebuild absolutely anything. And it's such a such a message of hope that you can either do it proactively, you know, some of us, some of the wise listeners you have are going to go, hey, I just want to proactively strengthen my faith. And then some, some of us have to take a pretty hard crash to go, okay, Lord, what, what do you have to say? How should I have done this to begin with? And that was more, that was more me out of ignorance rather than rebellion. You know, I wasn't trying to run away from him. I just didn't know. Yeah. No, I can totally, totally relate to that. And I think I love how, you know, the importance of (laughs) staying standing and we can do that through Christ's strength. And like you said, through that solid foundation is so important. And I think what you've done so well in this book is actually the how to part, Mm -hmm. because I think that's, that's what we, a lot of people struggle with. It's like, okay, I know that, but how do I go about doing that? Mm -hmm. So I love how, how you sort of pivoted in that direction. Yeah. And I like, like you, I'm really passionate about the the engagement with the word of God and how scripture is actually for that purpose. And so I just, I have such a passion about helping as best I can just through my story and through practices and through my teaching. Like what I really want is I want you to fall in love with Jesus through his word, because um, I'm not enough and you're not enough and we can try our whole lives to be helpful, but it's really him. It's really about connecting with him. It's down to the individual level. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your upbringing in the church and the faith influence that you had and just the way you view and handle life trials, Mm -hmm. knowing you have that type of um, background. Well, I grew up in a church-going family. You know, there were certain times that we would, you know, skip Sundays and things like that. But I mean, for the most part, I grew up in a family that um, that went to church and nice town, nice people. You know, I always say, like, I learned to be polite and chew with my mouth closed. So like, you know, I mean, just, <laughs> just an overall solid, um, solid family that definitely exposed me to faith at a young age. Um and, but for some reason, I think so many of us, like I knew the story of Jesus. I just hadn't heard the gospel. Like, well, I'll say this a little bit differently. I believe that the Lord opens your eyes and your heart at some point to what the gospel means for you. And he helps you. It's like something changes at some point that he opens your eyes to it. And that really happened um, when I was a junior in high school, I went to a brand new youth group. It was like through a new church in the area and some kids I knew from school, their families were associated with it and they invited me and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I remember I was sitting on the living room floor of a couple that was hosting this sort of brand new, you know, kid gathering, like teenage gathering. And I'm sitting on the hardwood floor of a couple named Pat and Jody. And I heard the gospel in a way I had never understood it before. 
And I can't explain that other than that's when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and ears to understand this is what Jesus did for me. And I, it's for me and I believe it and I'll take it, God, you know? And um, I even remember leaving that night when I was 16, I drove myself to the gathering and I remember leaving that night, walking down the streets where my car was parked. And I felt this like, I would use the word like effervescent, almost like a giddiness. I felt the Holy Spirit, but I didn't understand it at the time. But I could feel the presence of God immediately, like in a in a new and different way. But I had no grid for that. I I had no understanding of what what I was experiencing. But I remember the night and the feeling very very well. And so I knew that I I knew that I wanted to know God and I tried in all the ways that I understood how to at the time. Um, and then I went to college. So, you know, that's where a lot of our stories take a lot of different turns, right? Ugh. So, yeah, I went to college and truly did not understand the importance of Christian community. I didn't understand that the friends that I made and kept were actually going to determine the trajectory of my faith. And I just, again, it was an ignorance thing. Like I just made friends with girls I liked and they were, they were pretty nice people, but I did not have a community that around me that was supporting my faith. As a matter of fact, I kind of rejected it. I was like, "Mm, no, I don't want to do that. And boy, what a big mistake that was. And I had no idea at the time that if you try to be a lone Christian and you exist outside of a community of believers you will not last very long. Even even if you can do a good job trying to read the Bible and, you know, on your own and all that, um, the world's pull is too strong and we need each other. And um, so in college, I drifted away because I truly had no one around me. I had no community that was at all supportive of my faith and it just fell to the background of my life. And really, unfortunately, at a time where you're making just a lot of decisions about yes. how you're going to start to build a life. What path do I want to go down? What job do I want to have? Where should I live? Who should be around me? We're making so many choices at that time in our life. And I had no wisdom around me at all. Mm-hmm. By the time I was a senior, I just, I had friends and they were, I thought they were pretty nice people, but nobody was talking in my ear about trying to understand where God was leading me or you know, how to put, put my life together with him at the center just wasn't on my radar. So, Mm -hmm. and I know for me, just being part of of a group of other believers, is just the accountability part. Definitely. uh, It's just so helpful in many ways, um, just for actually, you know, challenging yourself in study, but also just in your own personal walk and, um, having friends that are willing to, to call you out when you need to. Yes. I mean, Ellen, I don't know about you, but I even think about, I didn't even understand how to interpret what was happening in my own heart. You know, I was so driven by performance and career, you know, through college, I was an excellent student. So I came out wanting the best job I could. And I even experienced a lot of like, anxiety and performance and all of this stuff that had I had people around me that knew the Lord, they may have been able to help me go like, Hey, 
you know, it feels like you're on the edge of that, that anxious feeling you have all the time that that's not, that's not the Lord's best for you. That's not peace. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't have it, unfortunately, but, um, but he's always got plans A through Z, you know? And so I was his and, and I think the wonderful, the amazing, wonderful truth is when you come to Christ, you're his like, and he doesn't give up his own. So I took a, I took a painful way around to come back to him. But now that I look back, I kind of go like, man, I was always his and he set about getting me back. And it, it took a hot minute. I'm not going to lie, but I now know that was real and he was not going to let me go, whatever it took. And so there's a lot, I think for, for people who have genuinely come to a faith in Jesus, no matter where you are, good, bad, or ugly right now, I do think there's a lot of um, comfort in knowing he is absolutely not going to let you go, period. He, he's going to hunt you down and bring you home. And that's what he does. And so I just think that's such a wonderful um, part of his character. He does not let his own go, period. So um, I experienced that. He's going to come after me and he's going to come wherever he needs to into the middle of your mess and darkness and all that other stuff. And he sure did. Yeah. It's amazing that just understanding the overarching storyline of the Bible, which I know you said in one of mm-hmm. your chapters, just understanding that God is has been pursuing us ever since Adam and Eve fell, right? Yes. And every, the Israelites and on and on and on over again. And if there's anyone listening here and you feel like you're just too far gone, well, he can't, you know, that's not true. That's not a thing in his world. Like, it's just not a thing. There is no such thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Allie. Well, your book is divided into three parts. Mm -hmm. Tell us why you chose to to write it out that way and what are they? Sure. Um, I actually love this because, you know, every little word of scripture is so precious. It's so important to our understanding of what Um, the word of God is really saying. And so on the way into this parable that I mentioned was at the heart of the book, the wise and foolish builder parable, Jesus says one sentence right before he teaches the parable. And he says, um, for all those who will come to me and hear my word and put it into practice, I will tell you what he is like. He is like a builder who dug down deep and then he continues on with the parable. And so he says, the wise builder does three things. The wise builder comes to me, hears my word, and puts it into practice. And so um, if that's what Jesus says makes a wise builder, then I am all ears. Um, And so I really dug into what does he mean by those words? What does it look like to come to Jesus? Because he gives that invitation a lot, actually, through the Gospels of, of, of his life. He issues this invitation, come to me. Sometimes it's more of a challenge. Sometimes it's more of a gentle invite. Um, so that's the first part. The middle part is uh, hear my word. So we look at practices of hearing the word of God and what that might look like in your real life and learning the story of scripture to help you you know, understand 
what God might be doing in your own life, because he's usually telling the same story. And then the last part is um, put it into practice. And this is, a, I think it's a fun and lighthearted part of the book, because that's how I have experienced following Jesus in my real life has been um, like, sometimes it's a white knuckle part of the roller coaster. And other times it's like a fun, you know, twist or turn, but it, it is always putting the word into practice and taking the risks that that means. And um, sometimes the little side adventures you didn't see coming, sometimes just moments of getting over fears, but it's all about actually doing the word of God. And um, we cannot stand on the rock that Jesus talks about in this parable without finishing all three of those practices. So that's why I wrote the book in those three parts was really just to dig in and go, okay, what does that mean? What would that mean for my life? If I were to come to him, what would it mean if I were to put something into practice that I read in scripture? So, um, I just, I, again, if Jesus says that's what a wise builder is, I am very interested in what those three things actually are. Yeah. And that really does, I think, captivate the reader in also wanting to know those same mm-hmm. three things that you've called out. Well, you, you teach that the only way to safety and security is actually through taking risks, which mm-hmm. kind of is the opposite maybe of what we might traditionally think. Why do you think that most women don't see themselves as risk takers? And what is a good first step? to becoming one that does? Well, I think Jesus acknowledges in the parable that we're all kind of looking for that base where we can stand firm. Like we want our lives to work. We want a measure of safety and security. We want something strong at the base. And so, you know, we're looking for that. I think as human beings, we're looking for that, that firm place to stand. And so I, I have found that most women trip over what Jesus actually teaches here, because what, what our instinct is to do is to grab on. It's like to grab on to something that looks strong or to grab onto a person or to grab onto a job or to grab onto a vision for our own life. Like that's what I did. I thought I've got the, I've got the right recipe here. Like I can do this. I can, I can grab a picture of what looks good and strong. And instead where these three practices lead you is they lead you to take risks, always take risks. And you, we can't have a real living faith unless we're willing to risk finding out, is God really there? Is he really good? Is, is his word really true? Do, does he mean what he says? And unless we're willing to actually do that, to put it into practice in risky situations in our real life, we'll never really become convinced of him. We might check boxes and say we believe the right things, but we won't be firmly convinced in our own heart. And I do talk a little bit about how I do think women, again, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. I have a friend, so I could I could even say I have a friend I can think of that is not like what I'm about to say. So I certainly don't mean every person. But I think generally speaking, women struggle to see themselves as risk takers. Many of us were brought up in ways that we were not encouraged to take risks 
whether that would be physical risks or financial risks. I mean, there's all different kinds of risks in our life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we are taught to look for what's good and safe and right. And so when Jesus shows up at our doorstep going, I agree, I want what's good and safe and right for you, but you're going to have to take a few risks along the way. And it throws us because um, some of us learned early to interpret uncertainty and doubt and risk as something is wrong here. And I really come against that in the book because my experience with the Lord has taught me when he offers you the chance to find out who he is, to become safe with him and secure in your faith, you almost always have to take some leaps. You almost always have to put something on the line that maybe you'd rather hold on to. And what he really wants is for you to hold him um, and learn that he's the one. You know, you don't need to be sure of the outcome of your life. What you need to be sure of is the God of your life. And um, and too many people, are, I think, probably are like me, that they construct a picture of what their life should be and go after that instead of going after the God that builds a life with you. Yes. I think one of the examples you used in the book is just even a, a simple example of why we may not pray boldly, right? Because we already are thinking ahead that maybe Jesus won't do what we're going to ask him to do. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting way of sort of thinking through this. Was there anything else you'd want to add to that? Well, I um, I will say I am a lover of scripture and I always will be, but the parts of my faith that you can never talk me out of, never talk me out of, are when that word has become reality right in front mm-hmm. of my face. Mm-hmm. And so I may believe parts of God's word that I have yet to fully experience. I hope he takes me through as much of it as my lifetime will allow, you know, but the parts where his word has stood in front of me through something that's happened in my life. And I've gone, I'm going to, I'm going to go that way because that's what the word says, right? Like I'm going to try that direction. I'm going to believe that thing. I'm going to take that risk. Those are the parts of my faith that I'm telling you, I own them. I absolutely own those pieces of faith because um, I lived it and that's how it works, you know, and that's where our foundation gets more and more firm is the more parts of our life we begin to line up behind the word of God and actually practice it with our whole life, with the obedience and in our relationships and in our money and in our sex life and all the things, um, And when we do that, what we find out is, oh, shoot, God was right. (laughs) He really does know what he's saying here. Yeah. And I know oftentimes I'll go back and and look at my prayer journal and I'll see that God may, may not have answered it the way, you know, my specific request that I had. But then looking back, you're like, oh, man, am I glad he didn't. Because he really didn't know better than what I thought was for myself. So, 
Oh, I thought, you know, I'll share this with, um, with your listeners. Cause I, it was such a good mind shift for me. I had a conversation with a friend just, just here recently, like a, just a few weeks ago. And I told him a story about something the Lord was doing in, in the life of one of my kids. And, um, and we sat and talked about the difference in asking God to be a provider, which is who he is. He's going to be a provider because that's who he is. Or our requests for provision. Like, are we going to ask for the thing? And I'm, I'm fine to ask God for what I want, right? Like, I, I have no problem. I love telling God, like, hey, if it's all the same to you, here's what I really want. But, but there is a difference in expecting God to be a provider, which he is always going to be, because that's his nature. That's who he is. He's going to do that. And being, asking for specific provision, which may or may not be the way he wants to provide. And so, and that, that could be true. We could talk about him as healer. We could talk about him as, you know, as father, whatever the case might be, you could take any aspect of his character. And I think sometimes we pray and we ask for the provision instead of saying, God, I trust you implicitly to be a provider and I'll have my eyes open and being watchful on how you're going to do that. But I know that you are. And that's a very different way to pray. And I'll probably throw them both in there, to be honest. Like, hey, I trust you to be a provider. And also, here's what I would love it if you would give me. But I trust that if you don't give me that, you will provide because that's who you are. You can't, he, he cannot behave in a way that is against his character. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so many times I feel like God exceeds my expectations. A hundred percent. Like yeah. him as provider, it may not be something different. It might be something 10 times better. And right. so, you know, sometimes um, that can, that can actually increase our our expectation for what God can do in and through our life when we don't limit our prayers, when we kind of throw it at his feet and say, Hey, you said you were a healer. You said you were a provider. I see that in your word. Are you going to do that in my life? Will you? And I trust that you will. And so I, I pray like that more and more often. I think the, the more convinced I've become of the character of God, the more I've gotten to know him in scripture, the more I pray like that, because Mm -hmm. I trust that whether I can see it or not at the beginning, he is absolutely going to be who he is. You've got that right. for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what can readers do to ensure that they are building their foundations on God and keep Jesus at the center. Cause there may be people listening here, right. That fall into both camps of, sure. you know, they've already, you know, fully committed, but others are still maybe investigating. I would say for me, everything real about my life of faith began with getting what I would now say is brutally honest, (laughs) Um, brutally honest with God. I think uh, many times, especially if you're a nice person who's living a good life, like a pretty, you're a pretty decent kind and you honestly try to to be good. um, I think sometimes we struggle a little bit to come before God in just kind of brutal honesty and go, Hey, this is, 
this is who I really am. This is what my life is like right now, Lord. These are the things that I need to confess to you. These are the things that I really want from you. These are the questions I have about you. You know, those are the those are the kinds of conversations that anyone can have today, right here, right now. And they will begin these journeys in our life with God that become very, very real because he wants you to know him. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus is we have a a Lord who wants to be known. And so when we come to him and we say like, okay, really, really, this is the real deal about what I think, what I need, what I want, you know, what I'm confused about, what I need to confess, whatever. Now he's in, now he's, he's with you because he wants to take you from that point to somewhere where you can experience the life that he has for you. So I would say great first step, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years to the best of your ability, or whether you aren't even quite sure you want to right now, um, a brutally honest conversation where you communicate the real deal of something in your heart, mind, or life to God, it opens up new space with him. It it will bring your faith to life because he's going to pull you toward his word. He's going to pull you toward um, whatever you need to go through in your life to get to know him in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say this book is for? And what do you hope that the readers walk away knowing? Oh, yes. Um, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm going to describe this person, but I think honestly, if we were all kind of honest with ourselves, it's probably most of us. Um, I would say the yeah. bullseye <laughs> would be someone who is truly open to a life of faith, truly desires to, to include God in their life, and yet probably has a, a spot or two um, in your, if you were really honest, where your life is not quite working. Whether that's, you know, how you're parenting or your relationship with your best friend or your mom or the way that you're approaching work. Maybe you're just totally stressed and anxious all the time. You know, whatever those pieces that I would say in the in the language of the book, um, they're kind of cracks in our foundation. And yeah. we sort of know they're there, even if we're still standing right now we can kind of feel there's a couple cracks here. And I would say, Ooh, that's a great time to read this book (laughs) because my honest desire is that you would not need to crash the way that I did. I think there's wisdom. And also the, you said, um, what will the reader walk away with? Whether you're running strong right now, or you're in a heap in a mess at the bottom of a pit, you will not be able to put this book down without ending in hope because um, the message of Christ and his word, you know, all the way through the Bible is you are known, you are loved, and there is life for you. And so I very much hope that um, it all, it actually makes me tear up a little bit when I say that because Um, I needed someone to tell me that a lot earlier than I got that message. And so I, I would spend my whole life trying to say that to other people. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love sort of that that's your mission in this book. And I know, I, I know it will really help people who are at that stage with mm-hmm. who knows what kind of cracks <laughs> we all mm-hmm. have different ones and uh, we all desperately need Jesus. So mm-hmm. thank you for just your, your rawness. And I, I just, it's so important, I think, in the Christian community for us to acknowledge each other in those real and authentic ways so that mm-hmm. people then can maybe let their guard down, right? And yes. be open to the, the, the real Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Well, Allie, how can readers connect with you and purchase a copy of your book? Um, oh, thanks for asking. You can get the book anywhere books are sold. I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's target.com, Amazon. It's your christianbook.com, anywhere you like to buy books. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's there. And um, you can find, you can also find out a little bit more about the book. And, you know, I, I put links to all kinds of different retailers that sell it on my website. So you can go to the Allie Patterson. Allie is A L L I. Um, the Allie Patterson at um, dot com. I'm also at the Allie Patterson on Instagram and Facebook. So try to keep it the same everywhere. See, so I'm easy to find. Oh, excellent. Okay. And we will also put those links in our show notes for sure. Before we go, I just want to ask you a couple of our favorite Bible study tool questions. Sure. What Bible is your kind of go-to Bible and what translation is it? I, um, my go-to, which is on the table behind me right now is it's an NET translation. I got that Bible when I went to seminary. And the reason that I like it is because it gives a lot of notes on why they've translated things in a certain way. And so I am a little geeky in my heart and I appreciate knowing that. (laughs) And I will also, um, I will also read NIV a lot of times because it, it, it tends to be the language that is in my head. Um, mm-hmm. NET is a little, it's similar, but you know, it can be a little bit different than that at times. So I like to compare those two. NIV tends to hit me as familiar. Like if I memorize a piece of scripture, yes. it tends to be in the NIV version. So sometimes NIV feels comforting to me because it tends to be the translation that I'm, that like resonates in my heart from years past. But um, yes. for, for <laughs> probably for about five years now, I've, primarily use NET as my day-to-day version because I, I enjoy that, the clarity of the translation notes. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? You know, I am so plain Jane when it comes to this. I don't have okay. a system of like colors or pens or anything like that. I admire those of you that do. And I often thought I should, I should like get me one of those systems, but I'm telling you, I went all the way through seminary. Never, never did that. I'm very plain Jane when it comes to, I always have a blank moleskin journal, um, my favorite pen and the Bible. And then of course I've got tools, you know, if I want to study something that I'll use, but um, literally that is it for me. And your favorite pen is is funny enough 
one from my husband's office that it's whatever kind that I'm, I'm holding it right now looking. Um, it's whatever kind they use. And I, he always has them in his bag and I fell in love with them. So I keep making him bring them home to me. <laughs> so awesome. I need him to just order me a box, whatever they are. And I'm looking at it in my hand right now and I cannot find a brand name on it or I would tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. Um, lastly here, what's your favorite app or website for Bible study tools that you would recommend? Um, sure. I I have a subscription that I maintain from seminary into Logos, and I absolutely love it. It is an app on my phone as well, and I also have the software on my laptop. Um, it is just loaded with amazing study resources of all different kinds. And so, yes, if I'm truly studying a passage, I will go there. Um, the other thing, because I'll sometimes you can gain a lot of understanding by reading um, multiple translations quickly, like back to back. And so I just go straight to Bible Gateway. Sometimes I keep that app on my phone because I find it very easy on that app to switch between translations. Like they make it really easy and they have a whole mm -hmm. list of um, yeah. lots of different translations. And I find if I'm just looking for like a quick hit of, oh, what's, what's a translation issue? What's a word in this verse that I might want to pay attention to? I'll read six or seven translations real quickly. And I find it um, easy to do on Bible Gateway. So I keep I keep their app on my phone. And the last thing I will mention is the church where I pastor is we have an app where we read um, scripture in community. So there'll be like a couple thousand people reading the same passage of scripture at one time and they'll journal about it. And so that is such a powerful, interesting thing to do because you can read people very unlike you who've read the same passage of scripture that you read and are reflecting on it and praying about it and stuff. So again, that happens in our um, our church's app. It's called Crossroads Anywhere. So you can have that app anywhere and um, and read scripture with an entire community of people, which is kind of cool. Oh, neat. And yeah. can anyone have access to it even if they're not? Yeah, you can totally, absolutely. You could totally download and join the app community reading scripture um, without ever um, attending a service at our church and you would be welcome to do that. So. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to include the link. Allie, thank you so much for being here today to share the importance of connecting to Jesus and just really being intentional about pursuing God and knowing how to build a faith that can weather any storm. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. I mean, goodness, I could, I love talking about it. And so I just thank you for the invite. And it's been just lovely to meet you. Thanks. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Allie's book, How to Stay Standing. You can find the link in our show notes. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.